Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. For many, winter holidays in the United States aren't complete without a pumpkin pie. And honestly, where would we be without the pie-inspired pumpkin spice lattes? But think about this. Pumpkin pie is a pie filled with squash. Who in the world decided to fill a pie with a squash? The history of how pumpkin pie became so popular is a story that smashes together medieval traditions, indigenous food from Africa and the Americas, and the most sought-after goods of ancient trade routes through Asia and the Middle East. But first, let's start simply with the pie, which was more popular during the Middle Ages in Europe than it is in the U.S. today, according to Ken Albala, a professor of history at the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California. He's also the author of more than 25 books about food and food history, including food in early modern Europe. He told us via email, there were a lot of pies, fruits, meat, fish, vegetables. 
In medieval times, pies looked much different than the ones we know today, and people didn't eat the crusts. That's because pie crusts at the time were made of a dough that was thick, bland, and stiff, not flaky or buttery, and were most often single-use cooking and serving vessels. They were made freeform, without pie dishes or plates, so they stood higher and had to be harder than what we're used to seeing in pies today. Albala said, people poured hot gelatinous gravy into a hole at the top to keep air out. And often, but I don't think always, they broke open the pie and scooped out the contents, throwing away the crust. Some historical evidence shows that those crusts may have been soaked and eaten by servants or the poor. But all that ended around the 14 to 1500s, when people figured out how to, or perhaps could more widely afford to, make crusts more tender. When European colonists arrived in North America, eating pie crust became normal and a very important part of life. Food was scarce, especially during winters, and eating pie crust became a great way to stretch small amounts of food to feed hungry people. By the 1600s, eating a slice was the way to savor pie. As for the filling, in medieval Europe, there was no pumpkin. Instead, Europeans made pies with other gourds, favoring varieties that originated in Africa. Europeans only got their first taste of pumpkins when explorers, colonizers, and slave traders brought pumpkins back from their trips to the Americas. While it took years for Europeans to warm up to some other foods from the Americas, things like potatoes and tomatoes were considered poisonous, they took to pumpkins quickly because they were similar to the gourds that they were already familiar with, but sweeter. Albala said, pumpkin pie as we know it is fundamentally medieval. Pumpkin spice is a classic medieval combination. And yes, let's talk about the spice combination that we today associate with autumn, desserts, and coffee shops. In the Middle Ages, it wasn't just used for sweet pies. A similar spice combination was used in everything that folks could afford to during that time period. Not only did it taste good, but those same spices were also considered a status symbol that wealthy people used to flaunt their riches. Sugar was rare too. So if you could offer guests a feast featuring spices, sugar, and vegetables from the new world, you were rolling. Albala said, you find the cinnamon, clove, ginger, nutmeg combo everywhere up into the 16th century. By then, they were often combined with sugar too. There are standard and pudarfor combinations that are spicier with pepper, sometimes grains of paradise. But what we think of as pumpkin spice goes into most recipes until French hot cuisine in the 17th century begins to banish them to the end of the meal, along with sweets. Ultimately, by the 18th century, the British lost their love for pumpkin pie and began to negatively associate pumpkins with Native Americans. They instead preferred apple, pear, and quince pies, which they considered more sophisticated. But at the same time, colonists in America began to make pumpkin pie on their own. Consider the book American Cookery by Amelia Simmons. It's considered by food historians to be a kind of culinary declaration of independence from England. It's the first cookbook ever written by an American featuring ingredients indigenous to America and published in America. Simmons' recipe for pumpkin pie goes, one quart stewed and strained pumpkin, three pints cream, nine beaten eggs, sugar, mace, nutmeg, and ginger, laid into paste, number seven or three, and with a dough spur, cross and checker it, and baked in dishes three quarters of an hour. Simmons' recipe is very close to what we recognize today as traditional pumpkin pie, 
with one exception. Her recipe calls for that top crust. By the early 1800s, though, pumpkin pie became a single-crust pie and a mainstay of American cuisine and Thanksgiving feasts. By the way, if you prefer your pie in the morning, perhaps after a Thanksgiving feast with a cup of coffee, you're upholding another American tradition. Up until the late 19th century, people regularly ate breakfast pie, including flavors like pumpkin and apple. Breakfast pie was on hotel and restaurant menus and held a regular spot on the breakfast menus in the homes of people like Ralph Waldo Emerson and Oliver Wendell Holmes. Today's episode was written by Sean Chavis and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other tasty topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. Uh, Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, Plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.